Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And today is Sunday, which was a really weird day for us to be recording on, but uh, we wanted to get a show out to you, um, not even remotely within seven days, but uh, I've been hunting up at the cabin, so I've been gone. And then this last week when I got back, I worked almost two out of, I don't know, two out of three days, so it's been kind of a busy, too busy to record. Anyway, if this is your first time joining us, thanks for being here. You'll find out very quickly that we just kind of uh, we just kind of riff on whatever is going through Molly's head, and um, <clears throat> both of our heads, mostly yours. True. Yeah. Sometimes when I bring up stuff, you're like, nobody wants to hear that, so I just let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes, there's that. sometimes Sam, if Sam, if you're still listening, hey. Uh, sometimes Sam will email and say nobody wanted to hear that. Too, yeah, because we so love Sam. I don't. I've got people that listen to me, and we'll just leave it there. So anyway, um, we have three sick kids right now. Well, one point. I don't know. Two. We have sick. one full on sick, one who is over it, and one who thought he was getting sick this morning and seems fine now. But just a. Uh, lethargy and and fe- some a fever that comes and goes so it's kind of a weird bug faith literally slept i would say when everybody else was awake say on average for 18 hours yesterday faith not 18 that's a lot of being awake mm. anyway from 8 until 8 12 hours Faith probably slept for nine of those, maybe ten of those. And then she mostly slept all night except the time that she woke up. And I didn't tell you this. She kept, like, shaking her right arm and twitching her head to the right. And I thought, is she having a seizure? She's not even feverish anymore. And she kept saying, I'm scared, I'm scared, and twitching to the right. And so I got up and walked her in her circle. And one thing that you guys... I don't think we've talked about this for a long time, but our kids have gone through seasons of having night terrors. And the thing that works the best to shake them out of that is giving them some sort of physical sensation. And so usually forcing them to drink some water, like sometimes they hit them on the head with a pillow. (laughs) No, I'll, I'll pick them up and carry them somewhere where there's bright light. But I feel like the most helpful thing is giving them a drink of water and faith pursed her lips last night when she kept shaking to the right and saying she was scared. She pursed her lips really tightly. So I took her into the bathroom and turned all the lights on and brushed her teeth through her clenched teeth, and that seemed to do the trick. She had really bad breath. She needed to have her teeth brushed anyway. (laughs) She was crying into my head. But anyway, uh, yep, sick kids, uh, lazy Sunday, lots of screen time, and church on the couch with a cat in my lap not a terrible way to to spend a lord's day even if i would rather be in the house of the lord with his people so cool. that's what's going on here yesterday i made some <clears throat> pumpkin chocolate chip cookies that were really good you know the interesting thing that i was thinking about with pumpkin cookies at least in my experience is they're the only cookies i like that are puffy almost cake like like a normal chocolate chip cookie to me should be really chewy mm-hmm. and crispy around they the edges cake-like. But a pumpkin cookie should be rounded and cakey, even if it has chocolate chips in it. Hmm. So it took me a while to find a recipe 
than I thought I would like. But I can send you that recipe because they were good. Yeah. Um, I've decided that I don't like pumpkin and beer. Pumpkin belongs in maybe like a cookie or um, a pie. and Soup. Pumpkin. Soup. Pumpkin soup is good. I don't. I actually don't really care for it in coffee either. No, oh, I don't like, at all. Uh, Starbucks's pumpkin spice latte. No, I drink it because it brings back lots of like it's nostalgic for me. Oh, I don't to bring I don't back, drink but it at I don't all. really like it in my coffee either. So keep pumpkin out of liquids, unless it's soup. Can we go with that? What keep pumpkin out of liquids mm-hmm. unless yeah. it's soup? Can we yeah. make a bumper sticker that says "Keep pumpkins out of liquid"? It's not very catchy. Okay. Um, at some point, you guys, for those of you who have been asking, I'm going to create a bumper sticker with just our simple text font that says people are weird and hard because there's been requests for said uh, bumper or and or sticker. Just people are weird and hard. Maybe I'll make two varieties. I'll make a bumper one for your car and I'll make a small one for your coffee mug. What if you did a square one on a tile-looking background that said it, just people are weird and hard, but on the tile-looking background? Because the big bumper sticker, usually car bumper stickers are now smaller. They're not really bumper. You need They're to be able to read ones. them, though. I know, but... Eh, okay, you do you. No, I need to do you, because nobody likes me. Everybody likes you, so you have the better ideas. Oh, we'll put it up for a vote. If you want to vote, jump on our Telegram group. I'll include the link in our show notes. Like what you talking? The vote is mm-hmm. big rectangular. Yeah, big, rec- big, like regular bumper sticker, or like a, something small and square, like Molly's talking about. But we're not going to do a poll. Last time we did a poll on the Telegram group, everybody just kind of blew up and hated the, it. The poll, it was the poll feature on Telegram isn't isn't amazing. That's that why. particular poll feature. So I P O L L, not P O L E. I did not tell cares. you this, Jr. But when we went to the Western Heritage Center, which is a little museum in mm-hmm. Billings for our homeschool outing group, this last week, we. The, the presentation was on a Montana artist named J.K. Ralston, and the presentation itself was great. He did a painting, his own sort of stylized version of an actual photograph of the first time an airplane flew over Montana. It was like 1913, and it's black and white, of course, and you can barely see the airplane, and there's boys playing in a field, and you can see the rim rocks. If you guys are Billings people, you know the rims. And she had the kids compare the actual photograph of mm-hmm. people looking up in awe at the first time an airplane ever flew over them, first time they've ever seen a plane. <laughs> and then he did a stylized version of it where you can see the plane better, the rims are still in the, ba- in the background, and different people, there's a horse freaking out, but it's not because of the airplane, it's because a boy has ridden, has ridden his bicycle through the crowd into the horse. And you can see different expressions on people's faces. And she had the kids guess when they thought it was based on the vehicle there and how people were dressed and things like that. That painting in its original, she asked the kids, she said that somebody said, is this painting? Or she said, do you think this painting is in this museum? And and she said, no, it's not. But it is somewhere in Billings. And my immediate thought was, well, it's at the airport because it's an airplane, right? It seems really fitting that it would be at the airport. But I was like, I have no idea where it would be. I don't have any clear recollection of ever seeing a giant, a giant painting. Apparently, it's not like an eight by ten painting that he did. Apparently, right when you go through security, if you look up on the wall on the right, 
this original J.K. Ralston painting of the first time a plane ever flew over Montana is hanging in the airport. So now the kids all want to go on a trip, Above flying security. out of Billings in order to see this this painting. They can probably see but, it from security. Yeah, I suppose maybe. if you kind of squeak. Well, out no, to the actually, very front. Uh, actually, it'll be all rearranged because they're moving security to the new terminal. Oh, oh, that's right. I, all the new machines. I don't fly and out of Billings very much, very so space I haven't agent. seen any of that recently but anyway so that was that was a fun visit but (laughs) me being weird me the two highlight tidbits of information i took away from the presentation were actually not part of the presentation there were informational signs about different billings tidbits and and also oh this is interesting the the western heritage center is in the building now that was the original library and it was built by Frederick Billings and his wife in memory of their son who had gotten Billings, Montana is named after Frederick Billings, who was a railroad guy. I don't think they actually lived here for long, but they sent his son out here because his name was Parmley because he was kind of a troubled mm-hmm. kid and they sent him out here to work hard. And he That's why they call it the Billings Parmley. The Parmley Billings. His name was Parmley Billings. So he died of some sickness when he was like 25. And so his, do they call it the Parmley Billings or the Billings Parmley? It's the Parmley Billings Library. Oh. Because it's not, it's not the... I thought Parmley was the last name. Parmley was Billings like celebrating. was the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought so Parmley, Parmley was the last Billings name. Library. So, so, so the original library in Billings was, fun, it was funded in honor, in memory of Parmley Billings, this young man who died at like age 25. And it's this very cool sandstone, probably quarried out of the rims, building. I'm trying to remember which building it is. Uh, if you're driving down Montana Avenue, it's on the south side of the street. So just a block, the same block as the tracks, the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know what, what the cross streets are. It's the, there's a pawn shop to the, across the street here. And basically like. There's there's train yards, train I know, yards, train yards. I know yards. a building. I know a building. It's got a little courtyard a... in the front. Looks kind of out of place. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. and there's a there's a little cabin. That's cool. There. I've never actually been. There's yeah, I've never actually there. been in there. So it's the cabin was actually moved in 2004. That was J.K. Ralston's home in the mm. 1950s, and it was at Grand and 32nd, and it was going to get torn down. And so they have you noticed that there's there. famous people named J.K. You've got J.K. Ralston. J.K. Rowling and the actor J.K. Simmons. I don't know. I've never heard of J.K. Simmons. You'd recognize him if you saw him on the TV I do. The kids do think it's funny that J.K. Ralston is so similar to J.K. Rowling's. So you can go in that cabin. And J.K. Ralston, he was active as a painter in the 50s. You recognize him, And he was friends with... Oh, yeah. J.K. Simmons. Okay. He was friends, J.K. Ralston was friends with Will James, who was another Western artist who lived in the Billings area. He was a little bit younger than Will James, and he helped to value, I guess is the word, J- Will James's estate when Will James died. Mm-hmm. And he liked James's art table so much that he bought it out of the estate before it went to auction. And that art table is now... for up for viewing in the museum because it's been by used by two famous montana artists but listen to this random you guys side note jk simmons who some of you might have known from marvels he plays jonah jameson the the newspaper editor in spider-man um 
1973, when he was 18, they moved to Missoula, Montana, where his father became the director of the School of Music at the University of Montana. He graduated from the University of Montana with a Bachelor of Arts in Music. That's interesting. Fascinating. He was part of a, a, a fraternity there, and then ended up going on to um, to uh, acting. So two of our three JKs that we mentioned have Montana connections. <laughs> That's kind of funny and random. Okay, sorry. <laughs> super random. Yeah. Was that, was that Wikipedia? Uh-huh. Here's another super random thing. We were putting together a, a session in Cane of Ox on religious freedom, and we we're using some Alliance Defending Freedom ADF videos. Mm-hmm. And this gal, for some reason, had the urge to Google ADF, and got on their Wikipedia page, and somebody who hates them had completely written their 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 Wikipedia entry page, oh, really? and it's so terrible. She was like, "Do we want to be citing ADF?" And the gal leading the the discussion said, uh, "We're not going to let somebody who hates them." Basically, they cited like the Southern Law Poverty Center uh, as their main source for how terrible ADF is. And the reason being they're a hate group because they're defending religious freedom of people to not bow the knee to sexual, new sexual stuff like the the florist in Washington State and the baker in Colorado. ADF is defending them and therefore they're a hate group according to their Wikipedia entry. Anyway, don't always believe everything you read on Wikipedia. Uh, so going back to random Montana things, in the bathroom... In the basement of the old Parmley Billings Library, which is now the Western Heritage Center, there were a couple of signs that had probably been displays somewhere else and then got relegated to the bathroom because they'd spent a lot of money making this sign and thought it was still fun information Mm -hmm. and didn't have anywhere else to put it. So the first sign, let me see if I can find it. I'm not sure why the title of the sign is Stella's Bakery Menu. But the, oh, you know what? Maybe this sign came from Stella's Bakery before it shut down. Anyway, there was a guy named Bob Cobb, who is from Billings. It's a great name. Bob Cobb. Bob Cobb. He he had visions of Hollywood success. So he left the restaurant that he'd started in Billings and opened a restaurant in Hollywood called the Brown Derby in 1926. Three years later, he opened a second location of the Brown Derby at a famous intersection at Hollywood and Vine. This site became a favorite hotspot for movie stars, athletes, and American celebrities. Cobb became one of the greatest hosts for the rich and famous, including Lucille Ball, Bing Crosby, and Cary Grant. It's also where Cobb created culinary history. According to Tales, after a busy day in 1937 where Cobb forgot to eat all day, he raided the restaurant's kitchen. Using remnants from the day's menu, he tossed together lettuce, hard-boiled eggs, cheese, tomatoes, chives, avocado, and a little bacon. When he told his friend Sid Grauman of Grauman's Chinese theater fame, Grauman ordered the Cobb salad the next day. Today, the Cobb salad is a staple on menus across the country. Wow. Who knew? I did not know, but now you do. Okay, here's another one. Around 1910... Joseph Oliver, Joseph Oliver Edy, E-D-Y, 
opened a candy and confectionery parlor on Billings's Broadway Avenue. Edie sold ice cream, candy, chocolate, and other items. By May 1911, his shop was considered, quote, undoubtedly the most popular resort of its kind in the Sugar City. Billings Times, May 1911. The parlor's slogan, Everybody Likes Edie's, was certainly true in Billings. Edie's success spurred him to expand his business endeavors. In 1919, he switched to producing wholesale candy in Billings, distributing his sales by train. Soon he moved his production to Oakland, California, where he met ice cream maker William Dreyer. The two founded Edie's Grand Ice Cream. You picture like the the cursive logo E-D-Y-S with the lines under it, kind of an old-fashioned parlor logo. So that was founded by this Billings guy, Joseph Edie and William Dreyer. They became an instant success. While experimenting with a batch of chocolate ice cream, Edie and Dreyer hit on the idea to add toast and almonds and marshmallows. Thus, Rocky Road ice cream was born. So, some dude from Billings who moved to California, uh, well, one dude from Billings who moved to California invented the Cobb salad, and another dude from Billings who moved to California invented Rocky Road ice cream. And I guess that's my delight in food, as well as in strange minutiae facts that made me think that those would be fun to share. That's fun. Yep. Um... That's really all going on in my mind and life. Besides, I've kind of continued to mull over Anna's question on our Telegram channel. You might have to refresh people on that week. one. I, well, I figured I would. I did would. spend some time. I didn't get to Deke's response, but it was it was lengthy. Uh. Yes. Okay. So Anna... Explain to our listeners what we're talking about. So Anna asks on the Telegram channel, now I have to find it, what does a healthy sex life look for single people? And, And I was like, I don't remember what we said in episode 112 that made you think that. So she said, you said... We're made as sexual beings, and what that looks like as a Christian... If we're wired to procreate, yet some of us live without a spouse, what does it look like to be healthy sexually in singleness? So so I'll quickly go through kind of the framework of my answer and see if, as I've had thoughts pop into my head, I was like, oh, I would tweak or expand what I said there, but we'll see if right now at... No, this is podcast What time content is right 3.16 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon if the interesting add-on thoughts come to mind. But I think that whenever we think about our sexuality, we have to remember, well, I'm going to preface this. I'm going to do this in a little bit order, a different order. First of all, sexuality is different than sensuality or being sexually active or however you want to, to phrase that. The You do not have to be a sexual being in order you know, you don't have to be having sex in order to be a sexual being, or I would actually go back and say a sexed being, because in the beginning, God made man male and female, and he declared that the creation of the unity and diversity, that complementarity of mankind, that is what God declared very good and whole and complete, and after finishing 
making male and female in his own likeness, that's when he rested. So I think it's really important to remember that there's not there's not some second class nature of being uh female first of all and second of all that that inherent in being made in God's image is being made male or female and i would go so far as to say to remind people you know when we have this book called is it oh what is the book made i think it's called called god made me and you god made boys and girls it's the maybe Marty Makowski, God Made Boys and Girls. And it's about kids who think that they're transgender. So it's a children's book to read with young kids who might be being exposed to, you know, a kid in their first grade, first grade class who was a boy last in kindergarten and is a girl this year or whatever. And it, it does the basic thing that all of us would do, which is, you know, does it does having long hair make you a girl? Does... Wearing pink make you a girl? Does liking ballet make you a girl? No, you're you're being male, male or female doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how that is expressed. Yes, there are stereotypes, but who you are as male or female is so much more than skin deep. And then this book, the God Made Boys and Girls book, goes on to say that every cell in your body has in it either your XX or your XY chromosomes. So being a sexed individual who was made good in God's image isn't just about your genitalia and isn't just about having sex. You have male or female brain, you have male or female bones, you have male or female everything, every your hormones, everything about you is male or female and you know, you as a as a medical professional know that the signs of a heart attack in men and women are different. Risk factors for knee injuries in men and women are different because everything about you, I mean, doing heart surgery on a woman versus a man would probably be the same. You don't have to have a specialist surgeon for that. But, but you know, men, did you know, JR, that men have hormonal swings throughout the day? Yep, because I'm a man. <clears throat> Women have hormonal swings on, this will surprise everybody, on a monthly basis. And so a man has ebbs and flows hormonally on a 24-hour cycle. And a woman's hormonal ebbs and flows are on a 30-day cycle. So things like that are really important to know because... There are a lot of women who believe that you should exercise differently at different points in your cycle. You should eat differently at different points in your cycle. You should be more mindful about how you're going to react to stress and things like that at different points in your cycle. So all of that to say, being conscious of being a sexed or sexual being is so much bigger than just, are you having sex? And I think that we have to remember that that the way God created you with those hormonal swings and with the different inclinations that you have because you were made male or female in the image of God, that God declared those very good. And and then we have to just marching through the classic creation, fall, redemption, consummation. 
we have to understand that how we experience being male or female is impacted in every way by the fall. It's impacted in how we think about ourselves. It's impacted in how we relate to God. It's impacted in how we how we suffer distinctly as male or female, which we get some of those hints of that in um, in the Genesis 3 narrative. Uh, and it's, of course, impacted in how we experience relationships or don't in some people's cases. And two things that come to mind specifically for women would be, to, to Anna's question, for women who desire to be married and are not, that desire in itself is not sinful. That's a good desire built into the goodness of creation and the it is not good for a man to be alone reason for complementarity in the male and female design. And so to grieve not getting, not experiencing marriage or not experiencing healthy marriage or experiencing the brokenness of a marriage, that grieving that is actually healthy and good because you are experiencing effects of the fall and that's not the way it's supposed to be. I think a lot of women also, well, more and more women in our era uh, are familiar with the grief and the fallenness of infertility or of miscarriage. And that's another particular grief that women bear where it's your body actually failing you or working against its own design. And that's very much a feature of the fall. And again, I think it's healthy and good to grieve that and to recognize that your desires to fill out the creation mandate, to be fruitful and multiply uh, by, by getting married and then by, by bearing children with your spouse. Those are good desires that you can't turn into idols, but grieving the loss or the not getting the fulfillment of those good desires is is fine because you are very much experiencing some of the effects of the fall. Uh, redemption, Jesus was single. And so we have to, I feel like this is a little bit cliche, but I still think it's something that important for us to note that Jesus was fully human. He had a fully fulfilled, holy, good experience as fully man, fully human, uh, without having sex. Don't believe the Da Vinci Code. Don't believe all the other things. Jesus was not married. Jesus was not having sex. And yet he was, he was fully human. And so he redeemed all of the human experience. He, he succeeded where the first Adam failed. And he did that without, while being a man. He was a sexed being while he walked the earth, but he was not having sex. So in order to live a healthy Christian life, you do not have to be having sex. The The Cain of Ox uh, Catholics that I spend time in the world with them, a lot of their priests who, as most of you should know, priests are not uh by and large, celibate, unless they were married and had a family before they converted to Catholicism, in which case sometimes they will let them be priests while having a family. But by and large, of course, Catholic priests are celibate, and they 
they use the term chastity more than they use the term celibacy. Because the idea is chastity, which is constraint and doing the right thing, falling within appropriate boundaries where your sexuality is concerned, is something that every person or every Christian is called to. They would say, natural law people would say every person by virtue of of understanding what a body and nature seem to intend for having families. So whether you're looking at natural law or or the Bible, uh, chastity or the other phrase that, that I like that I've heard is sexual integrity, which is you know, integrity we often think of as honesty, but integral also means whole. So sexual wholeness or sexual integrity, doing the right thing is something that you're called to whether you're married, uh, because then you you have a very limited uh, boundary within which to ha- experience healthy sexuality, or if you're single, you're called to sexual integrity and doing the right thing either way. Both involve saying no to ungodly or unhealthy desires. And, and both of those in following God's path, I think we need to remember that, that following the path of holiness always reaps rewards and bears good fruit in our lives. And so I think my biggest exhortation to somebody who is struggling with the desire to be sexually active when they're single or the desire to obviously to be married and desiring that in a way that it's turned into an idol. Um, my challenge is where does your dying to self and your obedience bear good fruit in your life right now? And going back to some of the natural design, you can, you know, you look at, you look at a woman's body and obviously the way a woman's body differs from a man's body is primarily in the capacity to bear children. And when you look at what the wholeness, because we, we think of a, we should be thinking of our bodies as integrated wholes. And so it's not just this area, this part of my body that goes from the top of my thighs to the bottom of my ribs that was created for bearing children and nurturing them while they're completely dependent on me. Well, I guess up to my shoulders um, would be, you know, what we typically think of as the obvious things that a woman uses for bearing and nurturing children. But my entire self is oriented in who I am and how I've been made to the act of creative nurturing. And I think that you can then generalize that to all women without stereotyping and all the things, all the disclaimers that we have to always give, right? But you can generalize and say, okay, so if you're a single woman who doesn't have kids, where do you see in yourself the desire to to nurture and to bring forth new things? And what brings you joy in in helping other people or in being involved in other people's lives? And I think that can differ with what stage you are in life. It can differ with all sorts of things. But but where you are living out your creation mandate, so to speak, when you're not physically with your own body, being fruitful and multiplying is saying, what in my intrin- intrinsic way that God has made me, unique me as a woman, where do I live that out? 
in bearing good fruit in the lives of people around me because that part is not optional. I think as men, the generality that we can make of men is you're usually stronger, bigger, have more testosterone, which means more of a drive to succeed, to preserve, to protect, to provide all of these things. So even if a man is not married, does not have children, the challenge then is to say where with the generality of knowing how God designed men to function in relationships and in society, where where do you have unique relationships, calling, gifting opportunities, and how are you bearing unique fruit in the creation mandate? And the creation mandate also, I've never really thought of this. Have I thought of this? The creation mandate is is now the Great Commission. The be fruitful and multiply is go and make disciples. There's an Old Testament mandate, mm-hmm. and the New Testament mandate is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And the the creation mandate is is baked into that still because we're making little disciples in our home and tr- teaching them to obey all that he has commanded them and teaching them that he is with them and us. But it's it's much bigger than that. <coughs> And so one of the beautiful things, as I'm thinking about this, about the New Testament transferal of the creation mandate into the Great Commission mandate is you don't have to be physically bearing children to be, you know, look at the great grief of women in the Old Testament was not being able to have children, Sarah and Hannah Mm. and, oh, what's her name? Ruth. You know, so all these, all these women, the great grief is not being able to have children because that's your security, that's your significance, um, that's um, Rachel also, right? It was not as fruitful as her sister Leah. And so there's this great grief associated with that because that was that was your everything then. And the experience of redemption in these women's lives came with God making the miraculous happen, right? Giving mm-hmm. really old Sarah Isaac, giving giving Ruth a completely fresh start with an amazing husband, giving um, you know, Hannah, who's not able to have children, a child that she dedicates to the Lord. And and in the New Testament, for a single woman, the redemption of that comes in the fact that all is not lost for you, as it was in the Old Testament, when you are not married and you don't have children, because your your mandate is now not have children out of your own loins and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth in that way. Your mandate is go and make disciples in whatever capacity the Lord has commissioned you to do. And... and you know, obviously also the Apostle Paul wasn't married and didn't have children. And it, and then in consummation, the wedding supper of the Lamb, who's married? It's Jesus to the bride of Christ. It's not, I'm married to JR and whatever. I'm, I feel like we've had this discussion in the Telegram channel months and months and months ago about what, what will our relationships with our spouses look like mm, in heaven. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there was a consensus. I think there was a variety of opinions and I don't actually have a strong opinion on the matter. Cause I just 
kind of trust that whatever God has ordained <laughs> will be good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to be second. There won't be any issues. I'm not going to be second guessing God or missing my husband if I don't have a relationship with him in the way that I would have wanted while I'm still earthside. But the great joy for people who didn't get to experience marriage or healthy sexual relations or anything, any other grief, having children, all these things that that are, are legitimately great griefs here on earth because they are a way of experiencing living in a fallen world, uh, those are going to fade away. And in fact, not fade away. They will become an actual source of joy because you see the beauty and the goodness of God's plan in a way that you maybe didn't because of your grief and the fallenness of this world. But but you're not going to be wishing things were different when you get to heaven. You will be worshiping in joy at who Jesus made you to be mm-hmm. and who Jesus has ultimately turned you into being in in heaven. And so I don't know if that's it's a little bit different version of what I said on the Telegram channel, but I think that the the biggest moral of the story for me is again I the book uh, "You're Only Human." I oh okay, so this is weird. I got a book. I got another copy of that book in the mail last week, and the. Kelly, I think Anna told me it's pronounced Copic. I've been saying Capic. It's Copic. Book, You're Only Human. I read it. I read part of it over the summer. It was great. Got another copy of it in the mail just the other day. Not too many of you guys out there have our address, but it was addressed to Molly, and that's not my legal name. So if I had ordered it on accident, it would not have come to the name Molly on in my mail. So it was addressed by somebody who was sending it to me as a gift, not by somebody who was using my credit card (laughs) or my Amazon account name to buy it. And I contacted Amazon after doing a quick Google search about, can you find out? There was no gift receipt or anything in it. and Because it came from Amazon, right? It came from Amazon. And it had come the same day that a listener named Kay had had some books delivered to me from Amazon by... I think it's a friend of theirs who is an author of a fantasy series Mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a trilogy that she had sent to me because we had talked about liking children's fantasy with allegory and morals in it. And so I haven't gotten to those quite yet, but it came the same day as these books. And so I'd wondered if Kay had sent it and she said, no, God works in mysterious ways though. So if you sent this to me, thank you. Also, I'm still pondering what to do with an extra copy of it. Maybe I should give it to JR and have him read it. But Because you know I'm so fast at reading nonfiction. It, and you're dying for more things to do and read. Oh my but, gosh, the amount of books I'm reading right now. Yeah, me too. But, but it caused me... I'm slow too, especially now that school's in session again. But it caused me to pick up You're Only Human again. And I, I love this book because he emphasizes the goodness of creation and the way that we should be 
seeking joy and how God made you uniquely you and he loves you and he values you as you because he handcrafted you. He doesn't, it's not this generic humanity that God, that Jesus died on the cross for. Jesus died very specifically for you and not out of a sense of duty, but out of joy and love. Mm-hmm. And and it's just so refreshing even in in a book that's obviously not written specifically to me, it's just so refreshing to my soul to be told God loves specifically you and the way that you, with all of your quirks and all of your faults and all of your experiences of the fall, and, you know, in the context of this discussion, it, you know, not experiencing being married, not experiencing having children, whether you're a man or a woman, that God has that path for you because he loves you and he's working good in your life. And we have to fundamentally start with the goodness of it all in order to understand appropriately the fallenness of it all and the redemption of it all and the consummation of it all. And so that's my my ultimate point there with the the what does it mean to be a healthily healthy sexed being whether you're male or female if you are single is you are very much still male or female and in the wholeness of who you are where can you see both the goodness of how you were made as well as the redemption and the call to bear fruit even as you experience that in the context of a fallen world Hmm. Wow, that was a heavy topic. It I think was. we should just end this uh, show there. I don't know. I oh shoot, I I deleted Instagram off my phone earlier today, but <laughs> um, hold on, maybe I can find it on Facebook. That I wanted to close actually, since tomorrow is Reformation Day. Okay. Um, the Gospel Coalition posted a a thing about what the Reformation was about and. I'm trying, this is the problem with thinking of that just now. Um, you say, um, a lot as you you're trying to find what you were looking for. It's got to be on their Facebook page because they cross post all of this stuff. But, okay, the Gospel Coalition. Uh I don't even know who wrote this post. Michael Reeves wrote this post. Three things every Christian should know about the Reformation. He starts by saying, marking the anniversary of the Reformation isn't just about reveling in past glories or pining for an idyllic golden age. We celebrate Reformation Day because when the church was deep in darkness, God shone the light of his gospel afresh. And... Then a couple of sentences down, he says, what the German monk discovered in his Bible is as explosive and wonderful now as it ever was. And I think as I'm reading these three things, you will understand why I think that they're so great to share specifically for our too busy to flush people, too busy to flushers out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is it was about happiness. Luther discovered a powerful secret that would shake the world, unleashing happiness wherever it went. The secret was this. Failing broken people are attractive because they are loved. They are not loved because they are attractive. So 
And he goes on to say, could that be more countercultural today? It's deep in our blood that the more attractive we make ourselves, the more loved and happy we will be. The Reformation was a story of one man discovering to his delight that with God, it was the other way around. God does not love people because they've sorted themselves out. He loves failures and he loves to make them flourish. Luther was concerned with other people's happiness. In fact, he would come to believe he had found the secret of happiness. And that, at its heart, was what the Reformation was all about. Not moralizing, not self-improvement. It was a discovery of stunningly happy news. It was about freedom. That is the second point. The Reformation was the beginning of Protestantism. So people sometimes assume it was about protesting, arguing, and getting tied up in knots about what's right and wrong. Hmm. But Luther wrote a short book explaining one of the key points of his discovery in scripture. He called it the freedom of a Christian. The Reformation was a freedom movement, not an excuse to impose new rules or complexity. The gospel was breathtakingly straightforward, Luther ordered, uh, argued. So the, here's a quote from Luther. Her sins cannot now destroy her since they are laid upon Christ and swallowed up by him. She has that righteousness in Christ, her husband, which she may boast of as her own and say, if I have sinned, yet my Christ in whom I believed has not sinned. All is his and all mine is all his is mine and all mine is his. And the third point, so it was the Reformation was about happiness. The Reformation was about freedom. And the third is the Reformation was about the future. Consider these words written by a team of scholars in Westminster, England in the 1640s. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. These words capture the heart of the Reformation. What Luther's discovery had made abundantly clear was that God is glorious, beautiful, good, kind, and generous. We can therefore actually enjoy God, not hate, not avoid, not appease. Enjoy. This was all quite different to what so many had known before. The monk Luther confessed that he had come to hate God. Doubtful of whether he would make himself worthy of heaven, he shook with fear at the thought of how God might judge him on the last day. Yet armed with this new discovery, Luther realized he could face such fears like this. When the devil throws our sins up to us and declares that we deserve death and hell, we ought to speak thus, I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? Does this mean that I shall be sentenced to eternal damnation? By no means, for I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so, the horrifying doomsday became for him the most happy last day. The gospel had so transformed Luther's life that he was able to look to the future with unshakable hope and insurance that he would enjoy the living God forever. Hmm. So, anyway, I just I thought it was really an interesting angle to say that the Reformation was about happiness, especially. But I think that that resonates with us in the belief that we really, if we really were created to enjoy God forever, we need to start working on doing that now. October 31st, 1517? Yes, I think so. We just... We went through church history in our Membership Matters class after church today, and he was talking about uh, where uh, <clears throat> our church is at in terms of denomin- where the denominationally, where we came from, and 
how it all kind of came out of the Reformation was a key part of that. So, yeah. 1517. All yep. right, October 31st. Kind of rad. Okay, guys, if you like what you've heard, that's awesome. Please share us with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes. Somebody recently on iTunes absolutely hates us and gave us like one star. But no, but no review <laughs> no, explaining why. No review explaining why. Um, I don't know how recent that was, but yeah, definitely brought down the five-star rating we had for a while. And I never heard from our listener in uh, Germany, uh, Netherlands. We have some cool listeners around the globe, and I haven't heard from them, but uh, I asked them to message us. But maybe they stopped listening. I don't know. Um Regardless, if you'd like to uh, participate in the conversation in any way, please do so by uh, the most popular way is joining our Telegram group. I'll include a link to the show notes. It's a private group. You can join it from that link, though. And you can also send us an email at tb2f at pmpapamike.me. I never did get Ty to, I don't think Ty ever recorded a voicemail. He tried calling me twice, but no voicemails came up. So uh, we were going to kick off our, our interesting stories with uh, with Ty's thing, but nobody else called to leave a message either. So I don't know if that's going to fly, babe. Nobody really wants to share their stories with us. Sorry. What if we offer to give them a copy of <laughs> You're Only Human? <laughs> we only have one book, though. That would only equate to one story. You know so what else? I'm not going to force people. You know to what do else things, I have an though. extra of? Uh, I was just telling JR, he was. He was like, what is this thing that came in the mail? No, you didn't. The kids were like, what is this thing that came in the mail? And it's a black metal stick that's about a little bit wider than a pencil and about the same length as a pencil. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I met a friend for drinks last Monday night in downtown Billings, and I don't get out much. And my walk, my two and a half block walk back to my car at 8 p.m. was a little scary. And I tried to look alert and confident and not distracted by my cell phone, but have my cell phone ready as I walked through a group of couple groups of kind of sketchy looking people. And we have this new Subaru and I've been thinking I'd like to have a keychain for it. So sitting at judo one night, I was looking around on Amazon for different keychain ideas and found this Krav Maga. Maga? Mm -hmm. Is that how you say it? Krav Maga. So the self-defense, basically, it's it's a metal stick with a point on the end of it that you can hit someone with on pressure points and disable them. I need I know, now need to learn the pressure points. Uh, and train. And, and train, I guess. And then you just walk with it in your hand, and it also can break glass. So if you get trapped in a car, locked in a car, locked in a trunk, and you still have your keys on you, you have this device to to break things with and so i bought it to stick on my keychain even though it makes me feel a little bit weird because it's so so long and anyway it came in a like two six pack inches long, I think. it came in a two pack so we could give one of those away unless you want to put it on your truck <laughs> i was gonna hang on to it. it's kind of kind of rad <clears throat> so anyway we will look around if you call if you call and leave us a voicemail and you don't live in billings we will mail you something random from our house. There we go. Something <laughs> random from our house. If you live in Billings, we will bake you something random. The number <laughs> you can call is 406-318-7136. So I always screen my calls at that number. It's my Google number. Um, I use it for my audio engineering and, and freelance work too. But just call and let it ring through and then leave a leave a message. I don't know if Google Voice has a time limit on messages, but... Just do it. See what happens. And then report back to me if it worked or it didn't work and I can find a different solution. 
Actually, two things. Uh, Anna did leave on our Telegram channel a voicemail that I don't I, th- I don't know if she intended is responding to this, but just about a unique way that God had provided for her needs That's financially, cool. and just a praise. And then I got a text from Sandy about how she's a widow and about eight weeks after her husband died and she was just wishing that she could hear his voice. She found a a mailbox that was not the main mailbox on her voicemail and her phone that had a handful of just wanted to say, hey, how's your day going? Love you messages from her husband. And she still has them. And that was, gosh, he's been dead five, eight years quite a while and so she still has those sweet voicemails from her mm. husband um yeah that wasn't where we originally were intending on going with messages i mean it's cool that god provides people and i'm, I'm okay sharing that if that's what people Me want too. to talk about but the whole thing was people just like hearing normal funny normal funny random life things so um anyway that number again is 406-318-7136 you can send us an email tb2f.com PM or sorry, tb2f at pm.me. You can go to our website, www.tobusytoflush.com, all grammatically correct. Toobusytoflush.com, and you can just screw around there. Do whatever you want. I don't care. Um, and then, of course, our Telegram group. That said, we will probably be with you, hopefully. I'm only working, I think, one day next week, at least right now. So, oh, but I'm not coming back till midweek. So, um, if you uh, will hopefully get a. Uh, We'll get a show out to you probably Sometime. sooner than Sunday, maybe. Anyway, you guys can pray that I get an elk. Yes, that'd be Lots great. of elks. I want three. I have uh, three. There's been a lot of wolves up there when I was up last week, and so the wolves chase the elk out. Uh, wolves are no bueno. Um, if you are in a different part of the country or of a different persuasion and seem to think that wolves um, need to be protected or... Uh, cared for or otherwise understood and pampered we need to have a discussion or not um, yeah I could nuance that but I'm not <laughs> going to okay nuance away um, that said we'll talk to you guys later this week hopefully happy reformation day <laughs>